that was my financial rock bottom being about $300,000 in debt. But it was there that I started my business from a place of like, here are all the things I did wrong and here's how I'm rebuilding. Welcome to another Enter the Chat episode of the Mom Force Podcast, where a special guest answers your questions. And today it's all about budgeting and family finances with author and educator Tiffany Aliche, also known as the Budgetista. Hello, hello, Tiffany. Welcome to the Mom Force. Thank you, Vanessa. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Me too. Okay, I will say January seems to be kind of the time that everyone wants to talk about budgeting, right? Mm -hmm. We get through the holidays and everyone wants to crack down, but I kind of feel like June is the new January with kids getting out of school. Mm -hmm. Like it's a time to reflect. I know I've been trying to plan a couple of trips for the summer and mm -hmm. budget is a big question mark. <laughs> like yes. what is our budget? So I feel like this is the perfect time to revisit family finances and you as the budget Nista you're the perfect person to be here to answer some of our questions. Tell us, how did you become the budget Nista? What is your story? So I also have a big family that I come from. I'm one of five girls. I'm nice. number two. Love and um, my dad was a CFO and an accountant and my mom was a nurse. And so from my dad, uh, my sisters and I learned like the technicalities of money. Like this is how you budget. This is how you save. This is how you invest. And for my mom, I learned it like real world. Like we would go food shopping with her. My mom was a really good seamstress because she learned it from her mom who learned it from her mom. So sometimes in order to save money, we would get things like dresses and things that weren't necessarily like in the best shape because she could get a discount. And then she would like, you know, make them pretty for us. And mm -hmm. so I just grew up learning about money at home. And I thought everyone kind of learned about money until really I got to college and my college roommate, there were debt collectors calling our dorm room. And I was just mm -hmm. like, wait, what? And I started to share some of her financial questions at home with my parents and they would give me advice to give her. And that was like the first iteration of Budget Nista. It was like my college dorm floor. My girlfriends would ask me questions. I would ask my dad and reiterated back. And it kind of like a light bulb went off in me and said, I like this. I I like sharing financial education, especially with women who mm -hmm. might not otherwise have access to this type of knowledge. After college, I went on to become a school teacher for about 10 years because I love the babies. I taught uh, preschool Aww. and the parents there started asking me financial questions. And so it continued. Then the recession happened in 2008, 9, 10, and my childcare center lost its um, funding. And so it closed down rather suddenly. And a friend of mine said, maybe you should do this like budget coaching thing full time. I'm like, can you? But everyone <laughs> needed it because it was the recession and people were struggling. And so that's how the budget needs to started. My little sister, the baby, you know, when you have a big family, especially the baby's always a baby, even though the baby's 34. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I'm the oldest. I'm the oldest of my family and the baby. Yeah. Right. Always the baby. I know. And so baby Lisa was was making fun of me. And I was trying to ask her, like, what should my name be for, like, you know, for my company? And I was like, maybe the budget queen, the budget diva. And she was like, oh, you know, the fashionista? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, she dresses really cute. And like, you know, she's got great clothes. That's not you. But you are cheap. You should be the budgetista. <laughs> And so that's how the name came about. Well, and I think so, it's a fabulous yeah. name. I love it. It is kind of wild how many people don't get an education in how mm -hmm. to manage their personal finances yes. growing up. You're so lucky that you had parents that taught you that because um, I was like your roommate. 
I am, <laughs> and actually I'm a little bit like that right now. My husband is an accountant. So mm. when we got married, you know, he taught me what a budget was. And my kids are now young adults and they're constantly asking questions. And I'm like, I don't know, ask your dad or Google that, right? There's there, there's so many resources out there. But the fact that you have been able to make a career coaching people and especially women, I love it so much. Yes. Thank you for sharing your story with us. I know there was one point where you hit like a real low, personal low with your finances. That was yeah. a turning point for you. Can you just explain that really quick? Because I think it's something that we can relate to. Yeah. So I, I was financially quote unquote perfect until like, I was like 26, I think. And then that's when you start thinking you can make all your choices on your own. You don't have to ask your parents. Like, uh -huh. and so um, I invested with, with somebody who I thought was a friend who convinced me to take money off of a credit card to invest with him. And it ended up leaving me $35,000 in credit card debt. And then I just finished my master's and I had a student loan debt of about 52,000. And I decided in my mid-20s that I was an adult adult, so I bought a condo, hmm. which was another $220,000 of a mortgage. And then I lost my job at like a few years later. So I had all of this debt and no income coming in, and that was really rock bottom. And it was the recession, so it was, it was just hard in general overall. And so that was my financial rock bottom, being about $300,000 in debt. And no income. Um, I'm fortunate because I was able to move back home at like 29 and sleep in my middle school bed again, although at the time it didn't seem fortunate. <laughs> um, <laughs> A little humbling. Yes. Um, but it was there that I started, um, yeah, I started my business from a place of like, here are all the things I did wrong and here's how I'm rebuilding. But yeah, that was my financial rock bottom. But I remember just being really scared. Like, is this how life is going to be moving forward? Like, am yeah. I always going to have all this debt? It seemed impossible to be able to pay off $300,000. It just seemed insurmountable. So yeah. I know that feeling. Well, I love your role in the Netflix documentary, Get Smart with Money, and how you helped Ariana, was that mm -hmm. her name, yep. pay off her debt. And I know school loans are a burden for a lot of people, and that was an issue for Ariana too. Mm -hmm. And I love how you just helped her focus on her budget. And budget is like the B word, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it, it feels like it's a scary, it's a scary thing. I actually polled our mom force community about budgeting. If, if people were good at keeping a budget or if they had a budget, 61% of our community said, nope, not really, mm -hmm. but I know that I should. 61% of people. And I will say when I was newlywed and a new mom and finances were tighter, we did have a budget and we adhered mm -hmm. to it more. But as you get more comfortable yes. and you get a little lazier, <laughs> but every now and then I will go back and I will like look a little more meticulously at our finances. And I'm like, holy cow, we are we're being a little complacent, uh, complacent. Yes, mm -hmm. complacent. And you start adding up these dollars. Like if we, well, if we cut that and we did this and then mm -hmm. we would have this. And so it is, it's always a good idea. To have. Yes, I think, and I suspect the 61%, it's probably closer to 80 because <laughs> people, when you ask them if they have a budget, largely it's in their head. Yeah. Well, 16% of them said only when needing to plan for a big purchase. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. And so a budget really is a physical picture of what your money is doing, right? So it's like a, a, a spreadsheet, maybe it's in a notebook. So if you don't have it written down somewhere where you can look at it, 
then I don't count it as a budget. Like I maybe have a, a lowercase b budget, but it's not mm-hmm. a, you know, <laughs> it's not a capital B budget. <laughs> and so the best thing about a budget though, if you can put it down on paper and then automate it, then you can, it just makes it that much easier. So one of the things I, I share, like people who don't like the budget is split it before you get it. This is a method yes, that I- Yes, yes. You taught this to Ariana on the show too. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, it tell us more about that. Tremendously. So split it before you get it is you have to do a little bit of math at home. And then you're going to go to your HR department and say, hey, from every paycheck, I want my paycheck split into four different bank accounts. And most companies can do this. Like even at the budget Nista, we're not a huge company, but our payroll company allows us to split, I think, up to like four different bank accounts. So most companies should be able to do this. And so you're going to want to have two checking, two savings. And the checking is going to be at your regular brick and mortar bank, like the banks that you see outside on the corner for convenience. And you're going to have a checking account. Number one is your deposit slash spending account. So this is where money is going to land. And then this is where you can have a debit card attached to it. And you can put, quote unquote, like I call your allowance, like the money that you're allowed to spend however you want. Groceries, nails done, hair done, kids, whatever. Checking account number two is your bills account. This is where you're going to separate your bill money and probably where the vast majority of your money is going to land. If you're married, oftentimes this is like your joint checking with your okay. with your partner. This bills account should not have a debit card because it should just be paying bills from you from the bills account, whether automatically if you choose or you can do it every two weeks or however you want to pay m- money from that bills account. Account number three is your emergency savings account. And so this is going to be at an online only bank or high yield savings account. And typically these are online only banks because they have lower overhead. They can pay higher interest and you want it separate from your checking. So you're not easily able to get at it. There's a 24 hour typically wait if you want to transfer from an online only bank to your regular bank to spend it. And you want to start to save toward three months worth of your minimal expenses there ideally. And then based upon your industry and how quickly you think you'd be able to get a job if you lost your job, more or less. My mom was a nurse before she retired. Three months is plenty. My sister is engineer. She probably needs six months. So that's what's going to go in the first savings. In the second savings, this is your long-term savings. You want to save for a car or home, whatever those, or, or investing later on in the future. That's what's going to go in that savings account. So two checking, two savings. And then your HR department is going to split your money before you get your money so you don't have to worry. So literally, <laughs> it's like, wait. What's on my debit card, the only one I have, that's my spending money. So I know I'm not spending bill money. I know I'm not spending emergency savings. And I know I'm not spending long-term savings. It's like the best budget ever. Split it before you get it. Mm -hmm. That's such great advice. I mean, you have to do some work before to figure out what is actually the money that's coming in, the money that you need to put out, but then automating it so you don't have to, in the moment, make the decision. Because one of the hardest things are... those impulses to like Mm -hmm. treat yourself or if you have an emergency come up. Like the other day I walked upstairs and my refrigerator is making the craziest noise Mm. and I'm so scared that it's going to go out. And not only is that going to be just annoying, like, because where am I going to put all my food and, you know, how do you replace a refrigerator in real time? But if that is a major expense that Mm -hmm. we're not planning for. So that is so great. So Tiffany, your book, Get Good With Money. 
Yeah. 10 simple steps to becoming financially whole. I know you go in more in detail mm-hmm. and I highly recommend this book if you are looking for more resources on how to get your own personal finances. Watch the Netflix documentary because it's so I think it's so helpful to see real people with real life money problems mm-hmm. kind of work through those. But so many great tips here. But let's let's talk about impulse purchases because mm-hmm. setting up that the paycheck before you even get it to Mm -hmm. automatically allocate is so smart. But what do you do when you're actually going to target? And (laughs) that's a weak spot for so many people. Yes. How do you avoid the impulse buys? Or you just say, well, I just don't have the money in this account to do it. Well, that's the good thing about like, if you go to target one, so I just, I love target. I mean, Mm -hmm. how can you not? So one, I learned to leave my credit card in the car Okay. Although I now, sometimes I'll even leave it at home because I would have found myself walking back through the, <laughs> through the parking lot to go get it. I had a problem memorizing my credit card number yes. because it was too easy to do online shopping. Now you've got like Shopify, which automatically populates it for you, mm-hmm. whatever you're shopping online. But I made it a point to get a new credit card and not memorize yes. the number because access, you know, makes yes. it easy. Okay. But leave your credit card in the car right. or at home. Or leave it at right. home. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. to your point, Vanessa, honestly, a friend of mine does that too. Once she rem- memorized her credit card, she called to get a new one. Yeah. And because you want to make your money inconvenient, you know? Yes. Don't, and, and although Shopify, it, it, typically they'll ask you, can we make this like, you know, like a, a virtual card? You can always, no. 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 So that no. way it'll okay. force you to like take your card out, type the numbers in. So one, leaving your credit card or your card at home. Two, you know what's on your, your card. That's why you're not going to get your, your bills account attached to your debit card because there's no you know, yeah. you're not going to, you're not going to be swiping your bill money. So I allow myself because you have to allow yourself to be human and to enjoy. And so if it's on my card and I want to spend it, I can decide groceries or Beyonce tickets, but at least it's not <laughs> bill money or Beyonce tickets, savings or Beyonce tickets. Cause that money's already been pulled away. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like you have to, I, when I was a kid, my parents were pretty um protective over like me and my sisters. And so Like if we were playing in the front yard, it was like very strict rules. You can't go here. You can't do this. But in the backyard, it was like you could do whatever you want because it was fenced Mm. in. And so you basically want to build the fences and say, do whatever you want here. And so that is that debit card with your money on it. That it's like that money is to be able to do whatever you want because you've already set aside the other things. If you do that, I'm telling you, you'll be like, okay, I'm at Target and you know, I was going to buy a shirt, but I really want this blender. Okay. Well, whatever you want to do. Yeah. It's on your, it's on your debit card. And yeah, so that's and one you, of the ways. Yeah. And if you want those Beyonce tickets, you could just choose to have ramen that month. <laughs> you <laughs> could, to because, you know, and then set yeah, aside you, the money, like in your, your savings, like your long-term savings account, if that's something that you're wanting. Now, here's the thing. Like I heard you say something about it. Um, you know, uh, who can plan for a refrigerator going out? Now, here's the thing. As an adult, I want you to plan for the fact that something's going to happen. You might not know what the thing is, but like unexpected, that's the emergency fund. Yeah. Know that like an unexpected expense is going to come up because I'm an adult and that's what happens. Yeah. You know, I've had friends who've saved, you know, they thought they were saving for, you know, like a car or whatever. And then something like the water main or something breaks in their house, you know? And they're like, oh man, I'm like, no, the fact is you thought you were saving for this car, but really had you not saved this car, you wouldn't have had the money to fix like this flood in your house. So like, there's a gratefulness there that ought to be tapped into, you know? And, and an underlying 
daily peace of mind yes. <laughs> to know that you're you're covered. Well, I, I would love looking through our Mom Force Facebook group on some of the ideas that our community had about, you know, helping keep a budget. And several people mentioned an envelope system, which kind mm-hmm. of sounds like what you're talking about. Yes. Um, instead of having envelopes for food, date night, gas, clothing, you know, you could have just your... Your bank accounts. Your bank account. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just be like, this is it. But if you need a little more structure, you can get mm-hmm. a little more meticulous like that. Another idea, this is from Marissa. She says, a recent thing I've been doing that really helps is writing the number for my weekly budget on my bathroom mirror and subtracting mm-hmm. from it every time I spend. Seeing I it like every that. day has really helped me be more aware because I think that is one of the problems. If we just keep spending and we're not looking and then at the end of the month, you're like, oh, that wasn't good. But if mm-hmm. you, in real time, kind of reminds me of when I first got my first checking account and we had like in our checkbook, we had to log with the checks we wrote mm-hmm. and subtract it and keep like a running balance. Do that on your mirror. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison, I love Allison's advice. She says, I'll never forget the best advice I've ever heard from one of my personal finance professors. He said that although there are a million ways to budget, the biggest thing that is going to make a difference to your budgeting is your attitude about money. Mm-hmm. Because if that doesn't change, there isn't a budget system on earth that will make a difference to you. Yes. So tell me about that. Do you agree with that as a statement about how Absolutely. our attitude is the most important thing? So I use the word budget because everybody knows what that is. But I like to call my budget my say yes plan. Ooh, right? I like so, that. Yes. <laughs> right? So think about, right? So Moms are listening. Imagine that your kid is coming in. Your kid comes to you and says, mom, can I play outside? And you say yes after you finish your homework. Mm-hmm. And and then, or your kid comes and said, mom, can I have dessert? Yes. When you eat dinner mm-hmm. or, you know, can I play video games? Yes. If you get your grades better. So literally your budget is like an awesome mom. Like Love she it. wants to say yes, mm-hmm. but with parameters to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. Yes. If, yes. When, yes. After. So I know kids sometimes looks at look at mom like, oh my gosh, she doesn't let me do anything. <laughs> like the way we look at our budget, right? Yes, yes. Like this budget won't let, but you as a mom know that like, no, I want you to have these amazing things, but in a way that's going to allow you to maintain them and to enjoy them for a long time and to keep you safe. So I want you like mom force listeners to, to think of your budget like you as a mom, that like my budget is not here to tell me no. My budget wants to say yes, but mm-hmm. wants to say yes in a way that c- I can maintain the lifestyle that I'd like to maintain. So yeah, your budget is your say yes plan. Yeah, it's meant to keep us safe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Okay, here's a question. What if you and your partner have different attitudes about money though? I love what Laura said in our Mom Force. Facebook group. She says, my husband and I took a course together so that we could get on the same page about Mm -hmm. our financial goals. I used to put all the pressure on him to deal with the budget because I hated it, but I also spent most of the day-to-day money. So Mm -hmm. Tiffany, what are your tips for achieving financial harmony or aligning attitudes with your partner? So my husband and I, we like when he was here, because he passed away like a little under two years ago. Oh, um, I'm sorry. No, thank you. And so, but he was not like, I was obviously the budgetista and he was not some big spender, but he was more like, like the neighborhood, I'll loan anybody money, man. I'm like, why? Who? (laughs) Where is our money? And so I realized that we need to have ours and then individual, right? So we both had a checking account with our own debit card and that's like your allowance. You could do whatever you want with your allowance. But then together we had that bills account. And he contributed more to the bills than I did. 
And then we each had individual savings for ourselves. So if we wanted to buy something like for ourselves, but then we had joint savings and investing. So everything mm-hmm. that we had joint, we had individually. So I had like a retirement account. He had a retirement account through his job, but then we had a joint retirement slash investing account. I had a savings for things that I wanted. He had a savings, but then we had a joint savings and I contributed more to the savings in our, our joint investing while he contributed more to the bills, you know? And so, mm-hmm. but I think having, you know, for me, for us, it worked that we had these like individual accounts because if I'm, if I'm being honest, I remember he would like, he would tell me, I, I wonder if the world knows that you're a budget needs to bully because, <laughs> because I, I was such a tyrant with the money. Like, what about this? What? And I'm like, am I? Oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. is not healthy. And so I realized the problem was, it was that like, we didn't have enough autonomy. So, cause I'd be like, well, when'd you buy that? And how much did that cost? And, but I knew now, like, because we had our separate checking, yeah. I knew, well, it's not the bill money because- the bill money is sitting here. So that's money that we have already pre-allocated for how much we have for allowance, how much we have for savings for ourselves individually. So whenever he did something, I knew that it did not negatively affect the family's bottom line. So I think having some autonomy, but also having a joint pot um, is going to be critical for, you know, for success. So that way, because everybody manages money differently. And so you should allow for some of that agency or else it's just, you know, unless you're like, you know, money is really, 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 really tight, then really it's just for the betterment of the family. Like there might not be anything left over to have like separate, like, you know, money. And that's okay until there is. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, as in all things relationships, communication is key. And and I love how Laura pointed out that they had to get on the same page. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, take a course, read Tiffany's book, like Mm -hmm. educate yourself so that you've got that level. But I mean, my husband and I are getting ready to celebrate our 29th wedding anniversary. And there are some things that do not change. And he and I had very different attitudes about money just because we grew up in different homes with different cultures around lots of things. But I love your idea. It's just allow a little bit of autonomy. You know, if if you have room for that, because my husband is always, always, always going to want to get a drink at the gas station. (laughs) And I'm like, you're five minutes from home. Get a drink when you get home, right? And that was a big issue when we were newlyweds because I was cutting coupons like we were managing our money to the penny mm-hmm. and it felt so irresponsible to get a bottle of water. Yeah. No. But, you know, if that is what brings him joy and mm-hmm. happiness and like makes him feel like a big boy, then, you know, you do that with your money. Yes. So that is such great advice. One attitude that I know runs through my mind and when I'm, you know going to purchase something is I deserve this, right? Mm. I deserve a new pair of shoes or this vacation. And sometimes that attitude can get the better of us. But I like, but we all need to have like something that we're looking forward to, right? Yeah. I love that you're ta- coaching us through budgeting for the unexpected emergency, mm-hmm. but budgeting for an upcoming big ticket item. That was a question on our mom force Facebook group. Like how, how do you do that? I'm sure the answer is in this book, but give, give no, us no, a no, for, quick idea on. <laughs> so four questions you should ask yourself, Vanessa, and those listening, like before you spend any money, do I need it? Do okay. I love it? Uh-huh. Do I like it? Do I want it? And those are in spending order. Needs oh, come first. Good. You know, food, yeah. shelter, clothing, water, take care of your needs first. And sometimes that's all you can take care of. Okay. 
Then come mm-hmm. loves. I find that people put loves at the back of the line because loves might cost a little more money, might require you to save, but loves are things that are going to bring you joy a year plus from now. Okay. And so prioritizing like long-term joy, like for me, I love to travel, you know? Okay. So, and then everything else is likes and wants. A like is something maybe six months from now brings you joy and a want is just instant gratification. So for me, needs, I have to pay, you know, like my bills at, at the house. So, okay, I take care of those things. So that way I'm healthy and I'm safe. Then loves, like I am taking my, my bonus daughter to Europe in August. So I'm saving up for that. So when I go to Target, it doesn't mean that like, I'm like, I love Target. So I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I really want that dress. But then I ask myself, six months from now, you probably will have forgotten about that dress. You could put that $50 toward the dress or the $50 toward the trip. So I'm not actually telling myself, no, I'm giving myself a bigger yes. Yeah. So it's, it's the shift. Like, no, like Tiffany, this is actually more money for the thing that you actually love. Like you're going to have these pictures and this connection with Alyssa. And so that is how you start to reprogram that you're not telling yourself no, you're giving yourself that bigger yes by saying, I'm putting more money toward my loves. And not to say you never get any likes and wants, but it's like, if I actually want to live a more fulfilled life, I actually want to have more joy and enjoy my things more Then you know, I will, I will viciously vet out the things that don't bring me long-term joy. So I have more, more than enough money for the things that do. Yeah. So it's a yes plan for what you really, really want. Yes. I, and I will say this morning as I was getting dressed and I... <laughs> saw things in my closet that I bought in an impulse. I clicked on someone's link and I bought it from Amazon because <laughs> it wasn't that much money. And it's just sitting in my closet and it feels like it just sucks my joy mm-hmm. and it's too late to return it. <laughs> so maybe filtering the like it, love it. What were the other criteria? Need it. Need? First, need it, love it. Second, okay. like it, want it. Need it, okay. love it, like it, like want it. it. Want it. Need it, love <laughs> love it. it. Okay, like I it. love it. Okay, so, so good. All right, Tiffany, here's another question. Mm-hmm. So we can do all the budgeting and all the saving mm-hmm. and make all the smart moves, but really, wouldn't it solve all of our problems if we just made more money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there are so many videos on TikTok that are like so popular of like how to make money from home that honestly, I think are offering unrealistic opportunities. Mm-hmm. So what is your best advice for someone who might be listening that Mm -hmm. is looking for a work from home or a side hustle opportunity that will allow them to actually bring some more money in? So two things. If you want to make more money, one, look at your current job. The best place to make more money is where you work. Have you asked for a raise lately? Like literally my CFO. That's too uncomfortable. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, you got You have to. if, If you bring value. So one of the best ways to ask for a raise is to start what my sister calls a go me, one of my sisters calls a go me file. So whenever she does something that like makes the company money or saves the company money, she quantifies the thing that she's done. And literally she'll put it into like a folder and write go me. So that way when she meets with her supervisor, she can say, hey, the last six months I've made the company $100,000 and I've saved the company $50,000. And so you're not really asking for a raise. You're really kind of asking for a course correction. So oh, because you keep you keep a journal of what yes. you're actually doing, so you've got like data. Look yes. at what I've done, and then it becomes obvious. Oh, you're really valuable here. Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> you I know, like so it. that's one. Like you know, so it, before you start the side hustle, see if you can make more money where you are. Two, do you have high interest rate debt? Because that's the best 
raise you can give yourself by by aggressively paying down like that credit card debt with 20, 25% interest because those fees are costing you so much money. So like also focus on like paying down debt that's costing you a lot of money and you know it's costing you a lot when the interest rate is double digits. So that's mm-hmm. two. Okay. Three, if you are going to look for a side hustle or a side job or whatever, two criteria I look for. One, do I have a degree or certificate in it? Because I can ask for more money. You know, when mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm a certified teacher or I've got my law degree or whatever. Or two, do I currently do that at my current job so I don't have to learn a new skill set? So mm-hmm. when I was a school teacher, I used to babysit and tutor like crazy because I got top dollar because who doesn't want a preschool teacher babysitting your kid, <laughs> you know? Right. And so I can mm-hmm. demand, so let's just say it was like, you know, 30 bucks an hour, I can ask for 50 because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm a preschool teacher. I have a background check. You know, I've got my degree. And so parents were more than willing to pay me more to have like, and almost like a teacher at home. And yeah. so those are the two things, if you're going to look for a side hustle, Look for those things that are, you know, and make sure that it's actually going to make you money. Like, cause sometimes, you know, you, you, you put so much, I see people put money into a side hustle, like, and, and they don't get any money back. Like mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of like um, MLMs and like these multi-level marketing companies. And, you know, the problem that I have with some of them is that, well, most of them is that there's a lot of money up front that you have to put into it and you may or may not ever get that money back. Likely it is that you're, you're not. And so for me, I'm like, can I do something that doesn't require finances up front so I can get up and running? Because the purpose is to make money. And so that's another thing too, is to ask yourself, like, I do the math. I'll say to myself, okay, if I tutor and I, or, you know, for 50 bucks an hour, how much money will it cost me to tutor? Okay. Maybe it's gas to get there. Or if I could tutor digitally, I'm already paying for internet. It actually doesn't cost me anything. And if I can do, you know, four hours a week, that's $200 times four weeks in a month. That's two times four is $800. Okay. So do yeah. your math before you jump into it too, to make sure that you're actually going to make money. Like I had a friend who was side hustling and she didn't have her car and she was Ubering to the side hustle and it was costing her 400 bucks like a week or something. And I'm like, I think you're paying that. <laughs> like yeah. it's not, it's not worth it. So those are the rules is ask for that raise Try to pay down that high interest debt so you can save money there. And if you are going to side hustle, do I have a degree or certificate in it so I can ask for more? Is it something that's related to what I already do so I don't have to learn a new skill set and I could do it easily? And then do the math. Does the math math? Am I going to actually make money? Right. And if it promises like a get rich quick scheme, like red flags, no, no, no. Because we'd all be doing it. Like, why are we not all, you know, I know. we'd all be doing it. Well, as you were talking, I was thinking of my, one of my sons, you got recruited to do summer sales, which is, you know, we live in a college town. Mm-hmm. A lot of those companies come here and recruit and they promise just such mm-hmm. unrealistic returns. And it's grueling, brutal work. Mm-hmm. And very few people actually mm-hmm. make the kind of money that they promise. All of a sudden, I'm thinking of also the lemonade stands that happen in my neighborhood. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want your $5 cup of tepid lemonade, but people keep buying it. And these kids are getting like a very distorted view of like... Of like how big, because you buy because they're so cute and you're just like, but I mean, it's a good place to start for kids. Or I remember when my sister was in college, I didn't understand why my dad was so angry, but she signed up to do Cutco knives. Remember Cutco knives? Oh, yes. I have Cutco knives. (laughs) I bought them from a friend's daughter. Yes. Yes. And so my dad at the time was so mad. 
because I didn't understand at the time that she, I guess she had to purchase them before selling them. But yeah. you know, she was a college kid, same thing yeah. like your son. Yeah. And so now I realize, like, oh yes, that not to say because some some I mean some um, especially if you're doing a small business, it will sometimes require you to come out of pocket. But mm-hmm. ideally, a side hustle you can you can circumvent that by saying like. How can I do this thing without me having to really come out of pocket much money, if at, if at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, my husband and I were entrepreneurs, and so we had to invest a lot of our money to get mm-hmm. the business rolling. But you can start small. Yes. Start small. Okay. Talking about kids. Like, yeah, my my kids, they threw up a lemonade stand and then they would started selling like all of the snacks out of my pantry. The house next door was on the parade of homes. So a lot of house people were coming in the neighborhood and they were, mm. they capitalized on that moment. Smart. But like thinking about realistic ways to teach our kids about money management. I mean, you have a 16 year old stepdaughter, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What are some of the things that you have done that have, have worked or you know, that you would advise our community on helping kids? So when Alyssa was really little, I used to just give her the proper language. So okay. we would like, um, I remember her dad, we would like go someplace and he would just randomly buy her something. And I'm like, is it her birthday? Like, why is she getting a doll mm-hmm. just because we're at Target? And of course she loved me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, see, that was the a budget little bully. I know. <laughs> and so then I told him, I was like, I know you think that getting her this toy or whatever. I said, honestly, she probably would prefer if you actually gave her a little bit of money that actually cost less than the toy. Mm-hmm. And so, because at that age, you know how kids are at that age. I could do it. I could tie my own shoes. She was like six, you know? And so I started to say, hey, Alyssa, you know, we're, I'm, she loves staples because she loved to get like art supplies and things. And I would tell her, you know, if you do this thing around the house, you know, I'll give you, you know, uh, money that you could put in your little piggy bank. And she would say, okay. And then we would go to staples and I would say, what's your budget? I gave her the language. You know, and she yeah. knew her. I got a piggy bank that was separated into three sections. It was spend, save, give. Mm. And she knew she had, every time she got money, she had to put something in each one. So I would give her that language of like, so she would, she would call me Tiffy. Tiffy, my budget is $2. And then when we went out shopping, I, I put the onus on her that it had to be kid appropriate. So markers or crayons or whatever that, that you know, that weren't toxic, but it had to be within her budget. Mm-hmm. So you would see her looking at, oh, this is a dollar. Can I afford it? And I'm like, yes. So that's how we started yeah. that kind of language. And then when your kids get older, if you believe in allowance, there are tools. Um, so yeah, so integrating like technology into like financial yeah. education, especially for your older children. Like every adult should be spend, save, give. Start mm-hmm. that early with your kids so they don't, it's not weird to them. So if, like I said, if you're going to pay allowance out to them, make sure they're putting it into their piggy banks. And then, and then later opening up bank accounts with them. So as your child gets older, so Alyssa now is at an age, she's 16. We're talking about college. So we talk candidly about money. This is what colleges are you interested in? Let's look up to see how much those colleges cost. And so she was just like, okay. And then this is how much we're willing to set aside. I actually hired her to do my social media, my TikToks for the Budgetista. And we talked about how much she negotiated. I told me, I asked her, how much do you want to get paid? And she tried to get me for $80 a TikTok. I said, no, girl. (laughs) But it was really smart of her. Has she asked for a raise yet? (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) But having those candid conversations. and, And then even then, because I told her, I was like, you know, I, although I'm going to give you that money, it's actually going to go into your, now that you are working, you can open up a retirement account and put up to like, at the time it was like $6,500 a year into the retirement account. Mm. And she was just like, oh, cause she wanted the money now. I'm like, no, this is your money, but for money for later. And, but every, every year 
conversation should just shift to become more and more age appropriate. So vocabulary when they're really younger, helping out around the house, potentially getting like money and allowance as they get a little older. And then when they're older, older, letting them see behind the curtain a little bit like this is how much the electric bill costs. My dad used to do the thing where he would highlight the electric bill every month, put it on the dining room table. That was like at the heart of our home. And he said, if the if the electric bill goes down, he put money toward our vacation fund so we could go as a family. Ooh, so we were collectively, so you know, being like, Karen, turn off the light. That's why we didn't get, we didn't get the chance to go to Disney mm-hmm. last year. And mm-hmm. so you have to make, ideally as a parent, just remember this. Your kid does not care about your bills. Yeah. They care about what they care about. So you need to connect what your kid cares about to what you care about through money. And so whatever so age they are, do that. And so, and then eventually you won't need to make that connection. They'll make that connection. But in the beginning, that's really what it is. No matter what their age is, that like, if we do this financially smart thing, this is the benefit to you personally. If you do that, then you'll start to have healthy conversations with your kid. I love that. I'm going to start printing our electric bill because I have a daughter that leaves every light on in her wake. And I don't know how to make her think that that matters, but yes. actually being able to see it. Yes. And, and you're right. You mentioned that sometimes allowance is a tricky subject. There mm-hmm. are like different philosophies around mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Technically, I don't feel like I should have to pay my kids to do chores, mm-hmm. but it is a great way to get a conversation started about yes. money management. And years ago, when we first started giving allowance to our kids, there was an app called like the Kids Bank app or something. And it was just a way to like digitally give allowance that would automatically split, kind of like how you're talking about into savings, giving, spending. And it was good for them to see how that savings accumulates without having to make a decision every single time they get money, you know, Mm -hmm. just automatically dividing it. And, you know, my youngest is 15 now and he has quite a big savings. And now the big debate is like, what is that for? And we're like, that's for college. Oh, I'm not going to college. He says, oh my gosh, you're not touching that money until you get a few more brain cells. Um, (laughs) Okay. A couple more questions to wrap up with here from our mom force. What is the best rewards credit card? Is that something that you believe in? Yeah. So I, I believe that credit cards are like a hammer. Whoever holds the hammer decides if it builds the house okay. or destroys the house. So I'm not anti-credit card. So I it depends, right? So for me, I like, for my business, I like Amex because the points are like, you know, you can do whatever you want with them and yeah. they, they've got really great customer service or whatever. But for my, because I like to travel. Mm-hmm. So for me, one of the best travel cards is the Chase Venture Rewards, I want to say. But what I like about it is that like, you know, the the rewards points for travel are like really great. So I'll say this, that if you're looking for a, a rewards card, first you have to figure out what rewards matter to you. For some people, it's yeah. cash back. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's travel. For some people, it's gas. For some people, it's groceries. And so for me, like I said, that Chase card is great because it's an awesome travel card, but you know, it's not, it's okay on cash back if that's what you're wanting. So look for a card that really gives you the rewards that mean the most to you. That's what's most important. That's smart. Okay. Last question. Would you buy a home right now? I just did. I just bought a condo. You um, did? Okay. <laughs> did. Well, for people that are looking, I know that market has been crazy, especially yes. here in Utah. What do you suggest for people looking to, to buy a home? <sighs> so... I suggest that, you know, being open, that it might not look the way you're thinking. So the home I'm living in now, it was a foreclosure. And so it was really run down before my husband and I, you know, we renovated it. This is pre-pandemic. But we were able to get it for $180,000, even though it was worth $300,000 at the time, because it was a foreclosure. 
And we had never really renovated before, but we renovated, we put about another 180 into it. And now it's worth over $500,000. Wow. And so like being open to like, I mean, I know every renovation is not for the faint of heart, especially if you're married. (laughs) (laughs) So, but being open that like, do you need to live in the heart of the city? Can you live 30 minutes out where maybe prices are a little bit better? Are you open to moving? Are you looking at like, um, I bought a a property a few years ago from the city. They were having like these auctions for kind of like these homes. I bought a $10,000 property from the city and then renovated that one after doing this one. Are you open to like potentially auctions? There are online sites that you can bid on. But honestly, right now, the interest rates are really high, relatively speaking. And so number one thing is take your first time home buyers class. If you have not let everyone know that you're looking because sometimes somebody's granny is selling the house because she's going to move into like, you know, you know, into like a facility that can care for her. And they just wanted to sell. They're not even trying to go to market. So you want to get really creative in like looking for a property and just like, like everyone should know the mailman should know the lady at the supermarket should know because somebody might know somebody who knows somebody. So like, cause if you're going to battle it out with like the general public, you're probably going to lose. It's likely going to be some sort of side thing where you're able to, that's how I got my condo that it was like, I heard that something was coming on the market. And before it did, I slipped in and saw it and they just wanted a quick sale. So I was able to get it at a good price. Such great advice. Tiffany, I love the final lesson in your book where you say, giving activates abundance. It's great to be helped. It's greater to use what you've been given to help someone else. Share your time, energy, resources, and knowledge with those who have less than you. You embody that in every way. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your enthusiasm and your optimism (laughs) with us. Because... Finances doesn't have to be a drag. It can be this amazing opportunity to have an abundant, wonderful life that you want and crave. And I'm just, I I feel so inspired. No, I believe that. And if anyone's needing help and you're like, I honestly don't have any money. I always say, you don't have to spend any money with me in order to get help. You can always head over to thebudgetista.com and I've got this tools and resources tab with all these free tools and resources to get you started. Cause I know I needed that when I was at my rock bottom. So hopefully that'll be helpful. So great. And check out the Netflix documentary, Get Smart With Money, Mm -hmm. her book, Get Good With Money. Mm -hmm. So many great resources. Thank you so much, Tiffany. You're the best. Thank you for having me. Oh, isn't Tiffany the best? She has so many great resources too that I hope you can check out. And in the spirit of saving money, I thought I would let you in on a little secret. Our big annual Chapbooks anniversary sale starting very soon with our biggest discount of the year. So now is the time to make that vacation book or school yearbook or whatever book you've been dreaming of. To get the biggest bang for your buck, make your books now so that they are in your cart and ready to go when the sale starts. Happy chapbooking. Booking!